0: don't know if any of this will be usable. I don't know if I will actually be able to get through this. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to give it a shot. It is Monday the 9th of October. It is five to three in the afternoon. I am sitting in my beautiful little apartment in Brooklyn, uh, which has come to feel very much like home very, very much like home over the last five weeks. I, uh, I am, what are we now, like 48 hours out from having to call an Uber and go to JFK and get on the flight home. And I've spent most of the day just walking around And, uh, actually finding homes for a lot of the books that I bought that, uh, I looked at this morning, I actually took up to the, the pack and ship place. And, uh, the guy was like, yeah, it'll be about $200 to send those home. And I was like, "Mm." (laughs) "Hmm, I don't know if I like them all that much. Uh, I don't know if I like them 400 Australian dollars much. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave some of these here. So yeah, I've been wandering around with a coffee, just finding some of those free book libraries, but I am keeping um, a special selection. I have been to so many bookshops, you guys. Oh my God. The list, the list, right? Sweet Pickle Books, Better Read Than Dead, Leaves, Human Relations, Left Bank Books, Three Lives and Company. Community Bookstore, 192 books, Alabaster Bookshop, The Strand, West Sider Books, Mercer Street Books, Freebird Books, that one was fucking great, Troubled Sleep, also amazing, The Word is Change, Green Light, and my very favourite, Unnameable Books. All right, Anthony, I'll call you back. I went to the ranger game last night. I got back. Yeah, I got back on the lake. Hey, how are you going? Uh... Yeah. That's basically what I did. I, I picked a bookshop in a new neighborhood each day. I got on the subway or um, walked for an hour or, or so. And looked at books, and bought books, and read some of them, and didn't read others, and listened to people talk. And, uh, yeah, it's it's been absolutely beautiful. I... Think these have been some of the sweetest weeks that i've had in the last 10 years of my life honestly um, and there is something everything has been like a thousand times easier more fun more beautiful more unexpected, more delightful than I than I thought. And I've been saying to people here, like, you know, I woke up at, at one in the morning the night before I was due to leave and I just had this full body sensation of like, I cannot do this. There is no way I can get on that plane and fly to the other side of the world and meet all those people and... What the hell am i going to do it's 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 all just it's all too much the last time i went overseas was uh i think like i think like a week in bali <laughs> in, in 2017 um and the last time i went overseas on my own would have been fukushima in 2011. Um, and look, you know, I I know my Melbourne my Melbourne people get this, and probably a lot of other people get this. Like the last three years, I got into this place where it was like, not only do I not do anything, but I can't do anything. I've forgotten how to do things. <laughs> I I just I just live my life and on rails in this like little corridor of experience, and I don't look right or left, uh, and that's how I stay safe. And that's kind of where I. That's where I have been for a really long time. And then I got on the plane and then it was fine. And then I got here and it was great. And it was beautiful. And everything was easier and sweeter and more wonderful than I could have imagined. You're coming back. not a good And it's not that I, I don't want to go home. It's that I want to stay here, if that makes sense. But I know I can't stay here. This is. This is the curse of the Australian artist, right? Like, we know this. <laughs> you get out, you go, you do things, you see things, you meet people and you get this, this perspective. But you don't live there. I did, uh, I did have time lined up with one expat. I was gonna talk to Mackenzie Walk um, which I would have fucking loved to do. I, I love her and her two new books. One's called Raving and one's called Reverse Cowgirl, which I read in like a day. Um, yeah, they're fantastic. Raving in particular. Um, yeah, really kind of reshaped my thinking for a couple of days there. Uh, that's, that's one option. You do You do leave and you do set up shop elsewhere and you live in Berlin or London or New York or LA or wherever the fuck else. Um, But I don't, I don't actually want to do that. Um, It's not that the thought hasn't crossed my mind, but I have done various versions of that in my life and... Uh, I, I can't go all the way. Maybe it's that I can't stick it out. I don't know. But yeah, Australia is home. Melbourne is home. There comes a point where you do have to go home. And look, you don't want to stay too long at the party. You want to call it early. Leave them wanting more. Leave yourself wanting more. But yeah, not like I haven't thought about it. Yeah, like I said I'm I'm sitting in my little house which feels so much like home and and the little garden outside where I've been sitting um, in the evenings just looking up at the sky like it all it all feels very much like it's mine you know there have been so many things that have happened while I've been here so many beautiful things surprising things and what's been weird about it is like when I'm back home and things happen, I think, ah, oh, I can, I can put that in the show. That'll be great. That'll work really well. And, and when I got here, it's like that thinking just did a 180. And I was like, no, this is mine. This is for me. This doesn't go anywhere. Not that it's like secret or anything. And not that talking about it, I think, even, like, cheapens it in any way. It's just that, I don't know, it's just, it's too precious. It's too precious. So I'm definitely busting a gut here, and I know that it is um, infuriating to listen to somebody talk about their wonderful, wonderful holiday. (laughs) I don't want you to feel like you are listening to, uh, you're you're trapped at your uncle's house um, watching his, his slideshow. I wanted to just just read you my three favorite New York poems, and just just leave it at that. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna kick off with this one. Old mate Ted Berrigan, Whitman in Black. For my sins. I live in the city of New York, Whitman City, lived in, in Melville's senses, urban inferno, where love can stay for only a minute, then has to go to get some work done. Here the detective and the small-time criminal are one, and though the cases get solved, the machine continues to run. Big town will wear you down. But it's only here you can turn around 360 degrees. And everything is clear from here at the center to every point along the circle of horizon. Here you can see for miles and miles and miles. Be born again daily, die nightly for a change of style. Hear clearly here, see with affection. Bleakly cultivate compassion. Whitman's walk unchanged after its fashion. I, I did want to tell you that I went to, um, I think three poetry readings, an absolutely gorgeous evening at somebody's house um, which was just like a, a little circle of people, just invite only four poets, 10 minutes each. Honestly, just a perfect evening. Um, every poetry reading should be exactly like that. Um, one was on the High Line, which is a big kind of long elevated pathway that runs along the Hudson River. Um, and it's, it's a park and it's kind of like an art Um, there's a whole bunch of like public art along there as well. And there was a reading of, I think, God, it was like worked out to be like nine or 10 poets across the course of two hours reading outdoors. It was kind of cold. Um, and yeah, you know, the difficulties of like doing a public event in uh, a very open space in New York city became very clear. At one point when a guy who was maybe a little mad, maybe a little drug affected, maybe both, walked right in in front of the second reader who was a a young woman who was just trying to get through her poems and this man sort of stood in front of the crowd and was like, you all need to be thinking about what Jesus did for us. Jesus died for you. You need to be, you need to be thinking about Jesus, and someone in the audience was like, "We know about Jesus. It's not why we're here." <laughs> and like he was he was on stage, so to speak, for like a good couple of minutes while like the the very tiny um, female MC tried to like herd him off, and eventually he he left, but slowly and with a lot of um, commentary. About how we were spending our time, uh, but I don't know. Part of me sort of respected it. I'm like, yeah, look, if you if you are like a devout Christian, I think that kind of is like the only way you can be. I mean, I think I think if you really believe in like everything that Christianity teaches, you sort of do have to run around screaming at people, being like, "You're going to go to hell! Oh my God! You have to stop doing what you're doing! Jesus died for you." <laughs> Like, that makes sense to me. Um, I was invited to that event by an old, old Poetry Says uh, friend of mine, Ron Villanueva, R.A. Villanueva, who I got to interview in London back in 2016 when I first started this show. And Ron randomly, like, looked up the show the week I was coming here, realized I was coming to Brooklyn and got in touch. And, look, I have to say, Ron, I'm not blowing smoke but like you crushed that reading like you blew everyone else out of the water everyone else was like pretty like okay to fine. and then Ron gets up there and it's like he's reading to the whole city like everyone all of a sudden was like focused on him and yeah I don't know his his work's really great too and I was just like yeah that's it Cause you know I wasn't I wasn't in the best mood that day, so I came to the reading feeling a bit like, "Yeah, oh, poetry, more of this." <laughs> and then he read, and I was like, "Yes, okay, that is that is what I came to see." It was great. I'm really glad I got to do that. Um, and then the last reading I went to yesterday, which was, look, it was an open mic, and. Here's what I'll say about it: two things. Any poet who runs an open mic deserves some kind of prize medal, um, like funding. I don't know, maybe like free psychological help <laughs> for the for the trauma of it all. Like, seriously, the person running it. I told him, I'm like, you are made of steel. Um, yeah it was there was some wacky wacky shit that went on and um, and some really good work as well but yeah oh god I think I've, I've completely lost the reason why I brought this up but um, I did just want to tell you about the readings and also just to to say that like there's heaps of bad poetry in New York as well in fact like I think on balance I don't know if it's just the readings that I get to go to at home but like I think we have better readings. I think our readings are like on average, like kind of a lot better. I don't know. I think we have more fun. I know we have more fun. I, I we I mean, yeah okay here's my next new york poem my next most favorite is by the poet mary carr oh i didn't know this had a dedication it's for a guy called david friedman who is that david friedman professor professor of statistics okay oh no maybe it's this guy contributing writer for the atlantic who knows, some guy called David that Mary likes, she's dedicated this poem to him. Um, now look, Mary Carr, is, uh, she's, one of those, she's one of those writers that like everybody loves and everybody feels like they have to make excuses for loving. Um, fuck that, I think she's great. I think this poem is excellent. This is called A Perfect Mess. I read somewhere that if pedestrians didn't break traffic laws to cross Times Square, whenever and by whatever means possible, the whole city would stop. It would stop. Cars would back up to Rhode Island, an epic gridlock not even a cat could thread through. It's not law, but the sprawl of our separate wills that keeps us all flowing. Today, I loved the unprecedented gall of the piano movers shoving a roped-up baby grand up Ninth Avenue before a thunderstorm. They were a grim and hefty pair, cynical as any day labourers. They knew what was coming. The instrument white lacquered, the sky bulging black as a bad water balloon, and in one pinprick instant it burst. A downpour like a fire hose. For a few heartbeats the whole city stalled, paused, a heart thump, Then it all went staccato. And it was my pleasure to witness a not insignificant miracle. In one instant, every black umbrella in Hell's Kitchen opened on cue. Everyone still moving. It was a scene from an unwritten opera, the sails of some vast armada. And four old ladies interrupted their own slow progress to accompany the piano movers, each holding what might have once been lace parasols over the grunting men. I pass next, the crowd of pastel ballerinas huddled under the corner awning, in line for an open call. Stork limbed, ankles zigzagged with ribbon, a few passing a lit cigarette around. The city feeds on beauty, starves for it, breeds it. Coming home after midnight to my deserted block, with its famously high subway rap count, I heard a tenor exhale pure longing down the brick canyons. The steaming moon opened its mouth to drink from on high. I have learned on this trip that ballerinas do love to smoke. taken to the ballet and it was just about um, the most beautiful thing that's ever happened to me. I mentioned the reading, but I forgot to tell you that I did get up as part of the open mic, and I did um, Forbes' death and ode. Uh, <laughs> I think you went down like a lead balloon, actually. <laughs> uh, I think like the crowd were a little bit on the like maybe on the older side, and I think when you get up and you say, "Death, you're more successful than America." <laughs> Even if we don't choose to join you, we do. (laughs) Everyone's a bit like, um, (laughs) why, why are you doing this? (laughs) Anyway, I love that poem. I've, I've, um, I've committed it to memory pretty much. And it's, it's like my little, my little, um, I've decided it's going to be my party favor. (laughs) No doubt we'd think this in a plunging jet. And the black pox recorder would note each unavailing scream. I don't know what Forbes sounded like, but in my mind, he's like, he's had this like, um, like a high pitched nasal sort of voice. That's, that's my thought. That's my suspicion. Okay. So I should, I should sort of work towards wrapping this up. Um, I've got a list here of things I'm going to miss. Um, I'm going to miss the guy at the deli on the corner who always is on the phone uh, and only ever grunts at me. I'm gonna miss people calling me baby and sweetie on the street. (laughs) Not something that Australian men do. Uh, I'm gonna miss the signs in the parks that say passive lawn. I'm gonna miss overhearing everything people are saying because everyone is so loud and their diction is so clear and you just get to hear every single word. I'm going to miss just leaving the house and walking and just seeing what happens. And I'm going to miss half and half so fucking much. Oh my God. I've got like three quarters of a carton left in the fridge there and I might just drink the whole thing. There were so many things that I thought would happen that didn't happen in the best way. I thought that so many things were going to go wrong. And I thought that I would be a disappointment to everybody who I met. And I thought that I wouldn't be able to handle, um, you know, meeting people and doing things and... and. uh and it just turns out I was wrong about everything in the best way. And I'm in this, this incredibly bittersweet state. Uh, I have to admit that some of the people I feel most connected to in the world live On the other side of the world and actually that's a pretty normal state of affairs for a poet all right let me read this last very favorite New York poem so probably by now by the time you're listening to this you'll know that I got to meet and speak with Eileen miles and Eileen's uh, one of Eileen's mentors um, I guess I guess mentors um, was a guy called James Schuyler and Schuyler has this poem which I've always loved and I, I think you know I've been thinking about it a lot on this trip and thinking particularly about the line breaks and how impossible and weird they are and how they shouldn't work and they just do and uh, yeah it's I didn't think I could love it more but um, I do now now that I've seen the UN building <laughs> this is a poem called This Dark Apartment. Coming from the Delhi a block away today I saw the UN building shine and in all the months and years I've lived in this apartment I took so you and I would have a place to meet I never noticed that it was in my view I remember very well the morning I walked in and found you in bed with X. He dressed and left. You dressed too. I said, stay five minutes. You did. You said, that's the way it is. It was not much of a surprise. Then X got on speed and ripped off an antique chest and an air conditioner, etc. After he was gone and you had changed the seagull lock, I asked you on the phone, Can't you be content with your wife and me? I'm not built that way, you said. No surprise. Now, without saying why, you've let me go. You don't return my calls, who used to call me almost every evening when I lived in the country. Hasn't he told you why? No, and I doubt he ever will. Goodbye. It's mysterious and frustrating. How I wish you would come back. I could tell you how, when I lived on East 49th, first with Frank and then with John, we had a lovely view of the UN building and the Beekman Towers. They were not my lovers, though. You were. You said so. Oh, I just think that's so great. It's so great. <laughs> I don't know how you'd be that straightforward and that graceful at the same time, but he, he does it. Um, I also hear a little bit of Forbes in Then X Got on Speed and Ripped Off an Antique Chest. It's fun to take speed and stay up all night. Um, yeah, so... Look, that's 32 minutes of... Um, slightly melancholy, rambling my attempt to sum things up and yeah, I guess I will just sign off by dedicating this to every single person who I met here who, who took such incredible care of me. I've looked at a range of English. i got that. <laughs> practical, even Ingrid Bergman, which is why she gets on the plane at